One. What's up, Rock family? What's up, Rock family? Happy Sunday. If you're just joining us, I'm Miles McPherson, pastor of the Rock Church. And I'm always excited, but I'm excited about this series. We're talking about having a burden for lost people. Let me tell you something. One of my favorite, favorite subjects. Hit the share button. Call your friends. Call your mama. Call your daddy. Call, your, call the people who don't like you and tell them to watch this, please. So let's get on our knees and pray. We want to say hello to everybody watching all over the world. God bless you. Hit the share button. Tell your friends. Get your friends. Um, we're going to pray. And, and listen, every time, every Sunday, I, I get on our knees, and it is for a very specific reason. We always want to remind ourselves to be humble before God. And my wife's always like, when you get on your knees, can you just pray? Because you talk so long. So I'm going to pray. But uh, I know a lot of y'all like, go Debbie. <laughs> so, but we're going to pray that God would prepare our hearts for what he's going to say to us. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for this series. And thank you so much for loving us and having a burden for our hearts and giving us your burden for other people. I pray we can live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's get your Bibles out. Let's get your Bibles out. And again, I like to say, word, get your Bible out, because this is what we are talking from and about. We want to be more like Jesus. On the count of three, say word. One, two, three, word. Let's turn to John chapter 4. And to remind you, we're going to have communion at the end of the sermon. So get your bread and your juice out or whatever you're going to have. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Whenever there is a court case and someone is accused of a crime, you have the defense attorney and the prosecuting attorney. You have one attorney trying to prove that that person's guilty and another person trying to prove that he's innocent. But the burden of proof is on the accuser. It is they have the burden to prove their accusation. When we become a Christian and we start telling people, I believe in Jesus, there is a burden of proof on us to live that out. And one of the, the, the name of this series is called Burden of Proof. And what is the proof that the burden of God is on your heart? In other words, is there evidence in your life that what God cares about, you care about? Think about it. You say you're a believer. You say you gave your life up to God. There is, there needs to be proof of that burden on your heart. That what God wants you want, that God wants people to be saved. Do you care about that? God wants us to bear one another's burdens. Do you care about that? God cares about the poor. Do you care about that? God wants us to pray and repent and turn from our wicked ways. You individually, me individually, do you care about that? What is the proof that God's burden is your burden? What's the proof that God's preoccupations are your preoccupations? So for this month, we're going to be talking about that. And I want to challenge you that you would step back from whatever form of Christianity, religion that you have in your mind, and that you would focus on 
are God's burdens my burdens? Or is there evidence in my life when people hear me speak, when people see where I go, when people hear what I say, is it evidence that I am speaking and acting from the heart of God? John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father doing for whatever he does, the Son of Man does in like manner. This is very interesting. In other words, Jesus says, when you see me act, I'm doing it because I'm watching my Father act. When you hear me speak, I'm, I'm speaking because I hear what my Father says. Is that true of your life? So we're going to talk about three things today. One is God's burden directing your steps. In other words, God's burden and his preoccupation for people in your life and in your world is his burden directing your steps. Are you going where God wants you to go? Is God's burden opening your eyes? In other words, when you walk into a situation, do you see the situation like God sees the situation or do you see it like you see it? Are you limited to see it through the lens of your politics? Are you limited to see it through the lens of your fears, your insecurities, or do you see it from God's perspective? So number one, is God's burden directing your steps? Is God's burden directing your eyes? And is God's burden anointing your words? Again, if we're going to have a burden for the lost people like God has, his burden has to be guiding our life. We're going to talk about that all month. Um, I went to an, an event to speak on my book, The Third Option. My book on third options on racial reconciliation, how to bring people together. And it's not a popular topic with people, some people. And I was invited to speak at this event that they warned me. They said, you know, it's going to be a tough topic for our people because they don't necessarily, you know, want to hear it. And, and it's not really, you know, it's, it's just a... It's just a tough crowd. So I went there knowing and expecting a little frigidness, coldness. But I went anyway because obviously they invited me and they needed to hear the word. And, and the message of the third option that we should honor what we have in common versus focus on our differences is an important message for our country and our world. So I went there and I'm thinking, who am I going to minister to? Now, I could have gone there with my own angst or my own bias or my own, yeah, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to get them right. Or I could have gone there with the heart of God. Remember, God, is he directing my steps? Am I, am I going because he called me? Absolutely, because he was a very influential people. And, 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 and if, if they can be influenced, they would influence millions of people. And then I went there, God, show me the opportunity that you have for me. And then I said, okay, God, when you show me that opportunity, I want to say the words you want me to say. And not only from the stage, but when I meet people. And lo and behold, the young lady that was charged to make sure I got to where I had to go, make sure I had everything I need, make a long story short, I got to minister to her. And as I'm walking out of the hotel after I spoke, she accepted the Lord. Now, what is the point of the story? That everywhere you go, Everywhere you go, no matter what your eyes see, no matter what you perceive, no matter what you feel and what your angst, no matter what, what you, you're, you're nervous, you have to let the burden of God direct your steps, open your eyes, and anoint your words. And you can't be worried about the, the circumstance that the proof that you are walking with God is that his burden is your burden. His perspective is your perspective and that he is directing your steps. He's opening your eyes 
and he's anointing your words. Now, what better story than to show this than Jesus and the woman at the well? We're going to see that the Holy Spirit directed his steps, opened up his eyes, and anointed his words. Let's read John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus did not baptize but his disciples. In the, in the trip, Jesus didn't baptize people. Oh, I got baptized by Jesus. I'm the special. Oh, Jesus. listen, we used to do baptisms. I would go out in, in the water and there'd be a long line. And then all the other pastors would be a little, I'm like, look, <laughs> ain't no more anointing on my life for the baptism. Jesus says, I'm not baptizing anybody. Okay, so, but anyway, it says, he left Judea, and then look what it says. He left Judea and departed to Galilee. And then it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, we all heard the story about the woman at the well, but this is very important to understand what's going on here. Palestine was about 120 miles north to south. Judea was in the bottom. Galilee, which is Jesus' headquarters, was at the top, the north. In the middle was Samaria. Now, the Samaritans were mixed-breed Jews and foreigners. In 720 B.C., the, the Assyrians took control of Samaria, took the Jews out, and deported them and imported foreigners, and they mixed their breed. In other words, they weren't only Jew. And so the Samaritans and the Jews in Judea had conflict. The, Samarit the, the, the Jews in Judea said, you guys aren't full Jew. They had, Samaria had their own worship center. They had their own beliefs. And so there was conflict and tension between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so when you were in Judea or Galilee and you had to go north to south to south to north, you can walk, some Jews would walk around Samaria. In other words, instead of going a three-day journey straight through Samaria, they would go over the Jordan River, go north, and then back into Galilee. And that was a six-day journey. So Jesus could say, listen, I'm not going to go through Samaria because I don't want to deal with the Samaritans. I don't want to, you heard a story about the good Samaritan. The whole point of that was the Jews didn't like the Samaritans and vice versa. Yet Jesus told that story to illustrate even the Samaritan that you hate can be a model person. That's why the good Samaritan is such an ironic story. So the Bible says that Jesus is in Judea. He's going to go to Galilee in the north. And instead of walking the six-day journey around Samaria, look what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 2 or 3, he left Judea and departed to Galilee. In verse 4, he needed to go through Samaria. Now, that word needed means that he was bound. He was compelled. He didn't have to go through Samaria. He could have walked around. He could, that was a common thing. We ain't going through there. We ain't going to deal with those people. We're going to walk around. And some said, no, I want you to walk through Samaria. I wonder how many of you are letting God direct your steps. We're going to get into what's going to happen in Samaria. But there's a thing called redlining where banks used to take a red pen and and mark a neighborhood that was a minority neighborhood and not loan to that neighborhood. You should look it up. It's, it's a, uh, 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 a longstanding 
uh, practice of the banks to discriminate against minority neighborhoods, especially when how uh, the suburbs were first created. Long story, but check it out. But all, sometimes we do that as believers. I'm not going through that neighborhood. I'm not going through that neighborhood. I'm not going through that neighborhood. And we have our own little path. And God says, why don't you go where I tell you? I'm not going to that store. Why don't you go where I tell you? Because I wonder how many of you have created your own path of what you would allow God, where you would allow God to take you, which is going to determine who you allow God to have you talk to which is going to limit who you can minister to. Instead of saying, God, I will go wherever you tell me to go. I will, I will say, say who, talk to whoever you want me to talk to, and I will allow you to show me the perspective you have. That is the burden of proof that you are walking with God. The burden of proof you walk with God is not that you come to church. Because some people come to church, well, I'm just going to check the box. They got some cute girls, whatever. No, no, no. The, 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 the proof that God's burden is your burden is that you go where God tells you to go. And so he goes into Samaria. Into this place where he is, a, where, where there's conflict. <laughs> That's the hood. <laughs> I ain't going through the hood. No, I'm going. He said, I'm going. And then it says in verse 5, he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Now, therefore, Jesus, being wearied from his journey, sat down by the well. It's about the sixth hour, so about noontime. The Jewish day was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So 6 a.m. plus six hours is about noontime. So he sits down, and a woman came to draw water. Hmm. Watch this. Jesus says, hey, we got to go to Galilee. And he started walking. He said, let's go to Samaria. It's like, you sure? <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go to Samaria. So he walks to Samaria. He gets tired. He says, hey, y'all go into the town and buy some food. And he sits down by the well of Jacob, which is also where Jacob was buried, which had incredible significance to the Jewish faith. Abraham is the father of faith. His son named Isaac, his son was Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel because he had 12 sons and they became all the Jews. So here he is, this very significant plot that was, had, been, had been, I mean, well, that had been there for, for, uh, for years. And now he's sitting there and this woman comes, this Samaritan woman. She's a, she's a Samaritan. He's Jew. She's a woman. He's a man. Men and women didn't talk in public, especially a rabbi. Matter of fact, they had a thing called bleeding rabbis. <laughs> it was funny. This is hilarious because they couldn't look at a woman. So if they were walking in public and they saw a woman, they would close their eyes and often bump their head into stuff because they couldn't look at a woman. Go figure. So they had, they had, they had all these bumps on their head. <laughs> really. So here's Jesus sitting there and this woman comes up, a Samaritan woman, and he, and he says to her, he says, hmm, here's an opportunity. This is the thing. He's sitting there at this religious site, the site of the symbolic of the, the man who's, Name was actually changed to Israel and his well there to give life. The well was a source of water to give life. And he sees this woman coming to get drink and he says, I, I, got, a, I got an opportunity. Number two, look what it says. Is God's burden opening your eyes? In other words, when you hear situations happening in culture, the first thing you think is, how's it going to impact me? Impact me? Is the first thing you think, well, you know, what's going to happen in my, my income? Is the first thing you think, you know, am I going to be safe? Those are legitimate questions. But do you ever ask, how does God want to use me? 
Because when God's looking at you, he's like, I got you. Now, of course, you need to know how God wants to bless you, how God wants to guide you, how God's going to provide for you. But the other question you got to ask is, God, how do you want to use me? When we first moved into this building in 2007, literally, like, 60 days after we moved into this building, after planning for it for six and a half years, there were fires in San Diego. I mean, half a million people in San Diego were evacuated. And I was in a hotel literally down the street. And I was sitting in that hotel watching my, my three kids, my wife, we were sitting in this little one room. We had our, packed our bags and watching the city burn down on TV. And I, and I, I was like, this is crazy. I can't be sitting in here. I gotta, we got to do something. And the next day, we said we're opening up our building. It's like, okay, enough of, enough of self-preservation. Lord, what do you want us to do? Because God's burden was for the people. God, I want that burden. I want to I see what you see. Show me the opportunity. We, we, we have, because of COVID, there have been no very um, limited, actually no youth sports in San Diego, in California for that matter. An unprecedented number of kids were killing themselves, getting in gangs, doing drugs, having babies, and, and not going to school. And they were just, it was destroying the youth. And I was asked to be part of this event to you know, rally the governor to open up the schools which, and open up sports, which I thought was very noble. The kids got to go back. Kids are playing sports all over the country, blah, blah, blah. But then God said to me, here's what I want you to say. I want you to speak to the kids. I want you to encourage them as athletes. I want you to challenge them to be overcomers because they're athletes. God, show me and this is what you need to say. Show me what you want me to do. Give me a burden for the people that you have. Not that the, the other cause is, is not legit. No, but what about, what is the burden you put on my life for me? Look what it says. And we'll keep reading. It says, verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw and Jesus said, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman said, <laughs> look at what this woman said. She got it. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Not only did they have no dealings with the Samaritans, but she was a woman. Remember, so there was a barrier, Samaritan and Jew. Then there was a barrier, man and woman. Then there was a barrier, rabbi woman. Then there was a barrier that we'll see later, immoral woman and rabbi. So there's all these barriers. And, and you know what Jesus said? I see all of that. No, man, I'm going to break all those barriers down. I see an opportunity to illustrate, demonstrate the gospel. This is the question. If you carry God's burden, if you carry God's concerns, if you carry God's preoccupation, it will be proven by where you go, by how you see stuff. And by what you say. Before we get to that, have you, ever, have you ever said to somebody, how you doing? And they did this. Oh, I'm okay. And then you went, oh, okay. And you went on your business. You totally ignored this. Well, I'm okay. And something in you said, hey, something ain't right there. And you just said, you ignored it. You missed the opportunity. God showed it to you. Or, or by the way, God showed it to you and you saw it and ignored it. 
or God showed it to you, but you were so preoccupied with your world that you completely missed it. I mean, I've asked people how to do it and they start crying. I mean, straight up, they start crying. And so my challenge to you is, is God's burden directing your steps everywhere you go. As a matter of fact, if you get called to go to, if you got to go to the grocery store, if you got to go uh, to school, if you got to go to work, listen, that's your, that's your routine? Great. God's got you there for a reason. Don't just walk in. It's a routine every day. I know what's going to happen. It's just going to be, no, no, no. Say, God, you got me here for a reason and open your eyes. Every day, open your eyes. Lord, because God has a concern for every single person you come in contact with. He's got a plan for every single person you come in contact with. Matter of fact, on Palm Sunday, I'm going to be talking about that the proof of God's burden on your life is that you live out humbly the prophetic call in your life. We'll get to that later. But God's got a purpose in your life. So everywhere you go, God's directing your steps. You can make the plans. You know, man makes the plans, but God directs your steps. And as God directs your steps, okay, God, show me what you want me to see. Give me your perspective. And then tell me what to say. So he says to the woman, he sees this opportunity. He says, hey, uh, give me a drink. Because he knows where he's going to take this. Look what it says in, 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 in verse 10. Jesus answered and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would ask him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, sir, um, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? So by the way, uh, uh, Jesus like, well, Jacob, is your dad or he's my dad? Our father, ancestor. Okay. Y'all, y'all drifted away. We are the pure Jews. He could have got into that argument. He's not, I ain't going to get into the argument. I'm not going to get into that argument. He's going to stay focused on the goal. This woman's soul. And Jesus said, whoever drinks of that water will thirst again. Matter of fact, I got something better than what Jacob has in that well. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give will never thirst. But the water that I shall give will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. These are his words. And the woman said, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She still doesn't get it, but she's now inquiring, what is this that you have that's better than what Jacob has? Um, Jesus could have argued with her about Jacob and whose father he really was and how he was connected to him more than the Samaritans. He could have gone, eh, eh, eh. That's, not the, that's not the issue. The issue is this woman's soul. Is the burden of God directing your steps? And it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to say, do I go to work today? Where does God want me to go? It, it just means everywhere you go, whether situations brought you there or certain, you just felt led to go there, wherever you are, that's where you're supposed to be. That's where you are. And wherever you are, God is there and he's working something out 
in that environment, wherever you are. So do you, do you look at that as a, God has me here, God, oh, God has me here, oh, God has me here. God, my wife said, hey, when you're on the way home, can you go get some bread? Okay, well, I'm going to the store to get some bread. Okay, God has me here. God, open my eyes. What's going on? What are you doing here? And then when the, when the opportunity comes, don't get into trivial arguments. Oh, you ain't supposed to serve me. You're a Samaritan, and I'm a Jew. I mean, you're, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Oh, you ain't, you ain't, you, our, our father Jacob, how, you ain't better than him, and how are you going to get water? He didn't get, he didn't get caught up on all that. He got caught up in this. I have something so good to give you. Even though you're trying to argue with me, lady, even though you're trying to tell me, you know, we're not supposed to talk, I get it. Even though you're supposed to tell me that, you, you know, you, you got more claims to Jacob than I do, I get it. But I got something better for you. I got something so good for you. If you would just allow me to minister to you. Here's my question to you. If you claim that you gave your life to Jesus and he's your savior, he's forgiven you of your sin. What is the proof? Is that God's burden is directing your steps, opening your eyes and anointing your words. And that you have the ability, ability you have the ability the presence of God, the power of God to actually speak life to somebody where they would say, I want that. I want Jesus as my Savior in our context. I want to know about the love of God. I want to know about the forgiveness of God. I want to know about the patience of God. And it's not only what you say, but it's how it's the anointing of the words on your life. Is that you're not there arguing with Jesus, could have argued with her about you know, Jacob, he could argue with her about, you know, uh, you know, being a Jew and a Samaritan. And he could argue, say, yeah, you're not supposed, I'm not supposed to talk to you because you're a Samaritan. He could have argued about that. He could have argued about, I'm not supposed to talk to you because you're a woman. He said, no, I'm going to put all that aside because I have a higher, higher calling. It's your soul. And instead of saying, hey, I prayed a prayer years ago. No, I am, I am going where God wants me to go, saying what God wants me to say, seeing my circumstances and surroundings the way God sees them. And I'm carrying the presence of God, the word, the power of his word into that situation, not only in what I say, but the living word through my life. Before we take communion, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Christ to be your savior. Because when we take this, we're acknowledging that Jesus died and rose from the dead. And so I want to give you this opportunity to ask Christ to be your Savior before we take this. So you can take this affirming what you've already done. So bow your heads and close your eyes with me. As I'm going to lead you in a prayer, simply saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I believe you died and rose from the dead for me. Please forgive me of my sin. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. And I pray that everyone listening now would surrender their life to you. And I pray, Lord, that your burden will be our burden. Your preoccupation will be our preoccupations. If you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior, just pray this simple prayer. Pray, dear God, please forgive me of my sin. Please come live in my heart 
and be my savior. I surrender my life to you. Fill me with the spirit of God. And may rivers of living water flow from my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please hit the saved button or text save to 52525. We want to help you in your journey. And if you can get out any kind of bread that you have, this bread represents the body of Christ. What he did is he died on the cross and rose from the dead. When he died on the cross, his physical body was nailed to wood. And we take this, we acknowledge that we know that. And we acknowledge that he did it for us. Lord, we thank you. As you took the bread at the last supper and you broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body. We acknowledge the sacrifice you made on our behalf. And we take this, acknowledging that commitment and reaffirming our commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Then he took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. The blood that was shed for the remission, forgiveness, cleansing of sin. We take this acknowledging that his blood has cleansed us of our sin. And we are a new person in Christ. And that his burden is our burden. His burden's light, but it's very real. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for cleansing us, forgiving us. We take this acknowledging that you shed your sinless blood on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, God bless you. And here's my challenge to you. Next week, as next week, we're going to continue this series. That this week, you say, Lord, direct my steps. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, anoint my words. May your burden be mine. And I'm going to pray this for you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.